welcome to Writing Off the Deep End. I'm Jeffrey Edwards. And I'm Mary Thaler. And this week, we, as a special treat, we have a guest on our episode. We're going to be talking to Karen Murray Bergquist. She's a playwright, a folklorist, and a writer of fiction. And she comes from Ontario originally. But at the moment, she's speaking to us from Newfoundland. So welcome, Karen. Thank you. I'm pleased to be on the show. Well, it's really great to have you. So, could you tell us just a little bit about what your... you write? Yeah, and, and, start with and the maybe why you write also. Yeah. Well, there's there's a question that I could talk about probably all day. Um, but <laughs> what I write, I generally try to write a little bit of everything. So, I I've always been writing stories and fiction, and mostly in kind of the fantasy genre, either in a secondary world or in our world, but with a bit more magic. I've sort of dabbled in sci-fi but not not very much and I write poetry and recently I've started writing plays because well why not I also act so it's always it's always fun to be able to write for something that you that you that you do and I do some travel writing. Now you you even you had a play uh, produced this spring in fact. That's right. That was a play that was co-written by myself and Erin Scothorn, who's um, a friend, friend of mine, fellow ghost tour guide and my writing partner. It's an adaptation of The Lay of Le Frein by Marie de France. So it's originally 12th century French and we translated it into modern English. Well, okay, actually someone else translated it into modern English and we translated it into being a play. The original story is very simple. There are only a few characters and there's not very much character development. Think of um, the Märchen or you know fairy tales kind of, you, you don't get a lot of insights into characters minds but what you do get is actually fairly intriguing so we tried to expand on that and develop the characters further. We added some characters, we prematurely killed off some characters. Did you feel, I mean did you feel some trepidation about tampering with those source texts? Actually, it's only like a fairy tale in the sense that you don't get a ton of like character monologues or, or any anything. Uh, it's more like proto-Shakespearean material, the kind of thing that if Shakespeare had known about it, he would have been all over that and he probably would have written the play before us. And, and because you're yeah. transposing it from one form to another, that does give a certain kind of liberty, right? Exactly. You know, there are a lot of time cuts and time jumps and so we had to find a way to make that make that flow there's a lot of very very short scenes where where a lot is explained just to the to the audience and so we had to put it in the mouth of a character yeah so that was the kind of thing we did make a lot of changes to the to the story we just tried to keep the tone faithful to the original so one of the ma major things that's touched on in this in this story is slander and is gossip um, because the, the whole conflict begins when a noblewoman says something slanderous about her her fellow noblewoman, her neighbour, in front of a hall full of people and just ruins her reputation completely. And then at the end she apologises, she realises that she's done wrong, they make amends. A lot happens in between but we wanted to keep that as something that was very important, something you can't really have the rest of the story without this initial incident and then the reconciliation at the end. Okay. I'm also interested in the fact that you collaborated on this because we talked a little bit 
uh, we were talking about theater and drama productions, which are highly collaborative. Mm -hmm. uh, whereas prose writing for novels tends to be solitary. So I yeah. wondered if you'd talk a little bit about your collaboration. We were both in Ottawa at the time that we were writing this, so we could get together and talk about it and kind of piece together what we wanted to do. You know, if we're making a major change to it to a scene that we found just wasn't working, we could yeah, we could we could discuss it face to face, which was nice because now of course I'm in St. John's. I never actually realized before how difficult it was to collaborate on something creative when you can't talk face to face. Yeah, so we were quite lucky in being in the same spot. And there were pieces that we were each more attached to, but we kind of had the same vision overall. And if we weren't sure about something or if we each had kind of different versions that we wanted to that we wanted to use, we could you know, test it out, sort of do the do the dialogue between us and see if it see if it worked. And then you traveled to to Nova Scotia, right? To see it put on. And you hadn't been very much in, in contact with the crew, with the, the cast and crew before, or had you been talking to them? We had been talking a little bit with them. We, we'd had a couple of Skype calls with the director, and I think Aaron had sort of Skyped into one of their rehearsals, but it was really, we left it in their hands. And, and how did it feel to, to arrive and see it? Uh, oh, it was really fun. It was, it was an incredibly uh, enriching experience for both of us because they did things that we never expected, and some, you know, some things, actually, some things made us realize that, like, oh, that line isn't working. We should, we should change that or make it make sense. Um, so, it was a good way of workshopping our script as well, um, and it was. It was fun to see the things that they improvised. We had a couple of scenes where we sort of, we had a, a script laid out and then we put in a little space saying, you know, feel free to do with this what you will, improvise, do something different. And they did and they had fun with it. And they, they added a whole layer of context to some of the character um, relationships that we hadn't picked up on. So that was great. I wanted to particularly ask you, so this, the source material for this play was, as you say, not, not a fairy tale exactly, but something that's sort of deep in the legends. And you are a folklorist, that's what you're studying. Can you talk about sort of the impact that that has on, on sure. your writing? I mean, I'm, I'm sort of new to the idea of being a folklorist in, in that I've just started actually studying it, but at the same time I've kind of been studying it for several years just without not officially. I've always been really interested in, in the way that stories can change and be retold and have new resonance throughout, throughout the years. And I think that's, that's always made its way into my writing, but maybe more, more explicitly recently. It's often little things that I try to, to work in, like Mary, I think you, you read my story Provenance um, about the Museum of Cursed Objects, where I tried to work in a bit of curse lore and look look to folklore for cues on how curses work and the types of stories, the types of legends that spring up around how things get, get to be cursed. You also do travel writing, freelance uh, writing, I guess, is it? You see all these amazing places and then you write about them. How does that affect the rest of your writing and, and your writing practice? 
Well, actually, the question that I was trying to remember earlier <laughs> that keeps coming back in all uh, yeah, all of my work is, is this question of belonging and does anyone ever really belong anywhere? So I have a lot of exiles in my stories, a lot of lost people, people who had a place and then had to leave the place and now you know now they're out there out there in the world with no one but their best friend to rely upon that plays into my travel writing my travel writing plays into that because i go to these amazing places and sometimes they're not the places that are traditional front page travel articles like probably the place that i've done the most that, that's been the most influential for me personally would actually be dartmoor in england um, which is absolutely gorgeous if you've ever walked over the moor in in the November sun with the frost on the tips of the grass, everything just dazzles. Have you written any fiction? You've written non-fiction about Dartmoor. Do you have a story in Dart about Dartmoor that, that you want to write someday? I have two, and one of them uses the folklore about corpse candles and like mysterious lights, which appears in a lot of British folklore, especially around bogs, I kind of stuck it out on the moor because that seemed more dramatic, I guess. And the other one it is about a young man in love with a fairy, and eventually he breaks her only her her only instruction to him is that he never speak of her to anyone. And then circumstances arise, of course, that he he does, and she leaves him because that's just that's just how fairies work. And initially, actually, I was going to kill him off. I was going to say like, oh no, this breaks his heart and he dies. But going back to it a couple of years later, I was quite quite glad that I'd never finished it because then I wrote a new ending and decided, you know, maybe maybe he's actually stronger than than that. Maybe maybe he pulls through and just learns from the experience. He's not part of her world, but he's he, he had that brief encounter and that was good. And, and so what kind of projects do you have for the next little while, say? Mm -hmm. Mary knows about my, my radio comedy. And working on one of the stories that I wrote for a workshop this past winter that I took in actually speculative fiction, so fantasy, sci-fi, and a little bit of horror, but none of us in the class really wrote horror, so it was only it was only nominally represented. Yeah, it's more, it's kind of a, an episodic, series of adventures set in a secondary world and then I'm also working on this novel that I've decided to try and structure a little a little differently. I'm drawing on, did, did either of you read A.S. Byatt's Possession? Yes. Yeah, um, you, you know how that that book works where, where you know she uses pieces of the fictional poets that she created she writes their poetry. So I'm kind of doing doing something similar and going between different time periods, going between academic documents. And like, it's a story of um, piecing together the story of a ship after it's been wrecked. I, I will try and get some proper work on it done so I can send you pieces. Okay, so I think we'll stop there for today for yeah. the interview. And I think it was a very interesting yeah. thank you so much so, karen for thank, giving thanks. us your time thank you it was really nice yeah awesome.
our next episode, I think, is on endings. Okay, endings. Yeah, <laughs> we're all... Someone once said, uh, any idiot can start a novel, the real trick is to end it. So Jeffrey and I will be spending some time unpacking that okay. idea. <laughs> that sounds like a challenge. So, and if you like uh, what you're watching, don't forget to subscribe to our channel. And see you next time. Thanks for watching. Bye-bye.